Welcome to the podcast, Your Time with James Sweetman. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. This week's podcast is slightly different in that I'm not delving into a particular topic. It's me sharing with you, my listeners, some stuff that's been going on with me and why I'm pressing pause on many aspects of my business. If you are a subscriber and tune in weekly, you'll know that I didn't have a new episode last Wednesday. Of course, by not putting out new content, I've been running that pattern of, oh my goodness, am I letting people down? But more on that limiting assumption later. Truth be told, I'm simply tired. Many things have caught up with me. And in recent weeks, I've felt that I've just gone to the well too many times, if that's the phrase. In fact, I'm quite exhausted. This has been building for a while, but last week it felt like I had just hit a wall. Uh, We all have challenges. We keep pushing through. We just get on with it. I often speak about giving ourselves a break. Most of the time I'm focusing on being less tough on ourselves, but there's also a real break, a timeout. Because I'm focused on what's next, I forget that in the last few years I've had bladder cancer, which involves ongoing monitoring, two operations for skin cancer, totaling over 40 stitches in my body, witnessing my dad deal with pancreatic cancer and pass away just over a year ago, and of course all the grief that lingers, and then throw in for good measure a pandemic whilst trying to keep a a business ticking over. It's been a lot, and whilst I've broad shoulders, I need some rest. I always think it's ironic that we teach what we most need to learn. A theme of so much of my work, especially in the last two years, has been self-care and well-being, A few Sundays back, October 10th, was World Mental Health Day, and I posted online about how self-care is not selfish. Intellectually, I know that, but somehow the anaesthetic of habit, of how I've always operated, of the limiting assumptions, of the conditioning that's been ingrained in me over decades, still had me equating self-care with laziness or selfishness. On top of this goes a sense of being a fraud, You know, I speak about self-care, but if I've allowed myself to get so depleted, well, I mustn't be living it. And just for added self-imposed pressure, the belief that I have a purpose, that maybe I'm here to communicate wisdom and insight to others, to be of service to others. And if I stop doing that, well, I'm letting people down. There were a few specific catalysts recently that have forced me to pay attention to what's going on in my life. Uh, The universe is always trying to teach us to prompt us to pay attention, to course correct when we've drifted from our sense of authenticity or wellness, or simply when we've disconnected from our true essence, which is love. I know that when we take action from a place of exhaustion, it always leads to resentment. And recently I've been resenting my schedule and that's not good. When it comes to career, I've often said, it's like I've won the lotto. You know, I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing in this lifetime. So this sense of resenting work that at another level is so precious to me and that I'm so blessed to do is quite alien to me, even worrying. Deep down, I love producing this podcast. But when I see a seemingly never ending schedule of producing an episode a week, which by and large takes about a day's commitment, not to mention the pre-planning and organizing of guest interviews, it's weighing heavy on my heart. What started as a fun experiment became part of my weekly schedule and the joy was seeping out of it. Earlier this month, I marked the 200th edition of my community newsletter, Next Steps. Now, that's been 17 years in the making, 600 articles, 200 book reviews. Uh, A great achievement, uh, but it's also a big commitment. 
It certainly started as another labour of love. But again, in recent times, the obligation of writing three articles a month became more of a chore. I'm used to applying myself, doing what needs to be done. You know, when you run your own business, if you don't do it, well, it doesn't get done. There's the definition of discipline, which is doing what you should do when you should do it, even though you don't want to do it. But I've fallen out of love with that definition, beating myself up with the word should. I've been pondering why, you know, why should I do it? And why do I do what I do? Now, I have the awareness to know that when the energy around producing something is off, if I'm doing something for the sake of getting it done, well, I'm just putting more noise out into an already noisy world. Now, there are hundreds of thousands of motivational quotes, articles and videos posted online every day. Even though some might label me a motivational speaker when you're feeling tired and flat, I know the last thing I need is a motivational quote. And if I put my business hat on, as my accountant reminded me recently, I'm not paid for producing a weekly podcast or monthly e-zine. They are voluntary parts of my business. And yes, they enrich my service offering, facilitate my purpose as a communicator, deepen connection and add value for listeners and readers. But somehow it's begun to feel unbalanced to me. This would also highlight the fact that I'm an expert giver, but not so such a good receiver. The straw that broke the camel's back, though, was when I was working with a client recently, a successful business owner who was seeking to make some changes following a very stressful period. Anyone in my profession knows that it's not only that we teach what we need to learn, but we will also see our own issues mirrored in our clients. So from the outset, this was a uh, this was curious to me. Uh, during a pause in the coaching conversation with the client over a cup of coffee, he asked me uh, an off-the-cuff question. He said, James, do you enjoy your life? Now, in those scenarios, I'm usually the one asking the question. So this one, seemingly from nowhere, really hit me between the eyes. I could feel the question stir something in me, a true sign of a powerful question. Emotion was moving. I took a gulp of coffee and answered with a weak yes. Driving home that afternoon, and even since then, I can't shake the question. There are so many things and aspects to my life that I enjoy wholeheartedly, but others mainly to do with my work that no longer spark joy, to quote Marie Kondo. Logically, it makes sense that anyone who's been in business for almost 20 years, as I have, you know, we instigate and navigate changes. My work has certainly grown and evolved. Again, the irony is a phrase that I frequently share, especially in a corporate or a business world, is that working smarter is identifying what you are no longer going to do. It's about trade-offs, to say yes to something new, a new initiative or better self-care or balance. It's about identifying what you will say no to, what you'll do less of or what you'll simply stop doing. I sometimes joke that I set up my business the same month as Facebook was launched. I ran a successful business before Twitter, Instagram or LinkedIn became what they are today. What's interesting is that despite three years of concerted effort on social media, the vast majority of my work still comes from traditional word of mouth, the personal as opposed to the online connection. Somehow over the years, an ever-growing aspect of my work has become media production. Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram posts, all subtly different for different audiences. Video production, I set up a YouTube channel in 2015, and then, of course, the podcast from May 2019. At the outset, all of these projects were fun, they excited me, but then they just became regular commitments on an ever-lengthening to-do list. 
Of course, with the pandemic and the substantial loss of business I endured, I had more time to devote to media production. I also felt that my daily quotes and words of inspiration, tips on self-management, etc., would be of benefit to people. And these were posted with a conscious, positive intention to be of service to my community. Now, thankfully, as the income generating side of my business, the one to one coaching work, the group work, the conference talks is building momentum once again. Something has to change because there are so only so many hours in the day. I'm reminded of one of the famous habits of highly effective people by the late Stephen Covey, which is put first things first. My core work is coaching, speaking, leading workshops and writing. And that's also what I enjoy the most. It's also how I earn my living. If I'm seeking to work smarter and realign with what I enjoy the most, well, the obvious thing to lean away from is the substantial social media output, not just from a time perspective, but because it has become a chore to me. When having the coaching conversation with the client who had posed that question, you know, James, are you enjoying your life? We discussed that if we run our own businesses and we're doing something we don't enjoy, well, if we cannot change it, well, then who will? The client was identifying what he could pull back on or delegate and driving home in the car from that session, I was starting to compile a mental list myself. Surely controlling your own schedule has to be a benefit of being your own boss. But of course, being your own boss, I found, means giving free rein to the voice in the head, that inner critic, the boss from hell. In pondering what I'm sharing with you this week, I was reminded of a story I heard Brené Brown share when she spoke of how a few years ago she was doing a lot of talks and feeling quite exhausted, but she was hauling herself to meet and greet attendees at a conference she was speaking at, you know, to sell books before she went on stage. Another speaker suggested that she rest. I can't remember the exact phrase, but I recall it as something like the fellow speaker saying to Brené Brown, you spend a long time exhaling, you know, sharing wisdom, stories and inspiration with others. And it's now time for you to inhale, to breathe into yourself, to resource yourself, to fill yourself up. And I've been thinking a lot about that recently. Once again, I'm back to balance, the giving and the receiving, the output and the input, the exhale and the inhale. Another favorite spiritual teacher of mine, Iana Van Sant, speaks about feeding others from the saucer because your own cup is overflowing. Uh, when my pal and intuitive coach Georgina Durkin, a past guest on my podcast, asked me recently, James, what is it that you need? When I let my body answer and through blinking back some tears, the word was rest because my cup is fairly empty. I referenced a few times in recent episodes my new book that is in the pipeline. Over the last six weeks, the momentum I'd built up over the summer, writing it, getting the photography done, has slowed to a virtual stop. There was a delay with the designer and my cherished editor, Sarah, was honest and upfront to say that she didn't have enough time to devote to it as she would like to. I was eager to get it out before Christmas, but the wiser part of me knows that this delay is meaningful. The universe wasn't conspiring to assist me because my energy wasn't right around it. The book was becoming another project, another commitment on my to-do list. And I've seen this pattern before with me. I'd push through just to get something done, but I didn't want that for this book. It's something I've loved working on over the summer and I want to get that feeling back. So it's been parked until the new year. Creating a pause, a little space around it means new ideas as to how it can be even better are popping into my head. 
how some of the themes can be expanded upon or maybe even new chapters added in. With the book, as with other aspects of my work, I just want to be swimming downstream again. Discussing progress of the book with a friend, or rather the lack of progress this week, I heard myself say that I've had 30 plus years of hard work in my life, and now it's time for heart work. And for me, that's the key. Again, intellectually, I know this. I've spoken for many years about replacing the old striving until you arrive with the love of the process, shifting the dial from achievement to fulfilment. I was reminded of this again when I was reading a section of a Debbie Ford book. She's most known for the dark side of the light chasers, but this particular book is called The Best Year of Your Life. She spoke about the hard work she had put into fulfilling a dream of being a New York Times bestselling author, and she'd achieved it with her book. She'd been on Oprah, and she'd achieved all of her professional dreams. She then is honest enough to say that she found herself sad and confused. She realised that working hard to create her fantasy life had just left her exhausted. And rather than life being easier when she'd achieved her dreams, it was actually harder. She she shares that what she was chasing for so many years was a feeling of being valued, of knowing that her life mattered. I can relate to that. As Debbie Ford said herself, if you just asked family or friends or noticed the evidence all around her, she would have recognised how she added value without all the chasing and striving. This leads me to a point I've touched on before, but that has really hit home for me in recent weeks. Is my doing coming from a place of worthiness, or am I doing all that I'm doing to prove my worthiness? If I'm brutally honest, the regularity of my output, the monthly easing, the weekly podcasts, the 24-hour response to emails, the constantly being switched on, is not coming from a place of worthiness. It's rooted in the fear of not being good enough, of constantly trying to prove my worth. And that is a difficult pill to swallow, a difficult realisation for me to admit. It stirs feelings of being a fraud, you know, teaching what I really need to learn. Doctor, heal thyself. I know that this is a pattern I've run for a long time. It encompasses everything from striving to get good exam grades in school to not turning up to a friend's house without something home-baked. Because deep down, just me is not good enough. And if I go really deep, It's because I've believed that people are interested in the work I do and what I can enable for them, not necessarily me. When we are in pain and when we suffer, when life feels like a lot to cope with, and my goodness, we've all had a lot to cope with, with a little awareness and curiosity, there is an opportunity to shed what is no longer working, what is beyond its sell-by date. For me, it's not only years of work habits, it's the realisation that the rhythm of my business has become too fast and I'm no longer enjoying the tune. It also recognising in a fundamental way the conditioning, the limiting assumptions, the fear-based thinking that dictates my choices and behaviours. Sometimes we have to step away from what we are so that we can step into who we are becoming. That makes this a liminal space for me, the caterpillar in the chrysalis, where it's a messy goo of cells before the transformation takes place, and I felt like that messy goo of sales in recent weeks. But this is not brand new territory for me. I've done it before. 20 years ago, I left the corporate world behind and began writing and inhabiting a new chapter in my life, which turned out to be better than I could ever have imagined. If that old adage of God has bigger dreams for me than I can dream for myself turned out to be true 20 years ago, it remains just as true today. 
I suppose I just didn't expect to be dealing with another dark night of the soul when I'm questioning everything. But that spark of light in me, my soul, my deeper wisdom, I know all of this is unfolding perfectly. I'm being asked to surrender, to trust the unfolding. And as a conditioned doer and achiever who likes to be in control, this is a sizable challenge for me, but I'm up for it. When I work with a client who feels stuck, I ask them what change might be trying to take place if they surrender to the unfolding. That's the question I'm now asking myself. But to hear the answer, I have to be quiet for a while, to surrender, to float and to let the current once again take me downstream. So that's a deep share. But I've pushed my comfort zone in saying it because I know being honest, authentic and real encourages others to do likewise. And I'm a firm believer in the adage, the truth will set us free. Whilst we are all perfectly ourselves, we are also works in progress, myself included. A phrase that sits neatly with me at the moment is being an apprentice to the unfolding. This stimulates a sense of excitement, curiosity and possibility. From a place of feeling more rested, I will have the energy to dream again, to forge a vision for a new chapter in my life. I sense too that this period of change that I'm experiencing is part of a wider phenomenon, fueled by the turmoil of the last year and a half. I was reading only yesterday an article in the New York Times that referred to now as a time of the great quitting. People are quitting jobs, cities, marriages and their Twitter feeds, not because they are weak, but because they are smart. It's about establishing new boundaries, new tolerances. People are no longer willing to sacrifice what's important to them. We're all re-evaluating what's important to us and perhaps no longer willing to sacrifice what's important to meet old, business-as-usual expectations. I know I'm not. Simply put, I don't want to be a martyr to the grind. To repeat what I said earlier, for me, it's less hard work, more hard work. That doesn't mean we don't work hard. It's just the intention, the quality of consciousness, the focus that is adjusted. Another analogy that I heard myself use when chatting with a friend this week was less mass-produced, ready-to-wear, more haute couture. Part of me craves a great simplicity. My work, my commitments, my output, even my website requires simplifying, a getting back to the essence of what I do, how I do it, who I am in the process of doing it, and most importantly, why I do it. So, my friends, I will be taking a pause. There will be less of me on social media, but when I do post, my intention is that it will be far more meaningful. It will be the result of my heart work, not just hard work or a sense of chore. The same with this podcast. This won't be the last podcast episode, but there will be a pause. It may not come back weekly, but it will come back, and in a way that is more meaningful and joyful for me. This week, I had another little nudge that I'm doing the right thing. After a recent hospital checkup, all the close monitoring of the um, bladder, a few rogue cells have been spotted. So I'll be having a procedure in a few weeks' time. The consultant says it's nothing to worry about, once again caught early and being dealt with. Just another nudge to remind me of what's really important and more evidence to make sure I'm heeding the signs that it's time for me to lean further into self-care. As you know, I'm a reader. I've been dipping in and out of the book Miracle of Love by Paul Farini in recent weeks. When I opened it in bed recently, this was the first paragraph I read. If you have been holding yourself prisoner, 
know now it's time to set yourself free. No matter what you have said or done, you do not deserve to suffer. Your suffering will not feed the hungry or heal the sick. No, my dear friend, come and take the rest I offer you so that you can come back into your life with a clear vision and a strong heart. I offer you freedom, not for yourself alone, but for the sake of all those who need your love and service. Come and rededicate yourself to the purpose for which you came. Those words really spoke to me. So, my dear listeners, this is my focus for the next few weeks. A practical sabbatical, as I'm calling it. A time for me to rest and to rededicate myself to the purpose for which I came. So I'll close this week by just wishing you health and wellness. And until next time.